Hello and welcome to this podcast, Yes, I Have a Voice. My name is Ruth Lewis-Cost and I'm a caregiver and I am blessed to be looking after my elderly parents. I started this podcast to remind ourselves that looking after those in need is a privilege. As unpaid caregivers, we need to have a voice. We need to be able to shout loud and be proud of our status. And caregiving has no age. People of all ages are caregivers. This is my way of supporting you all emotionally and practically with tools from other caregivers on how to find the joy in your situation and make amazing memories. So let's dive into this week's episode. So today I'm talking to Eunice Ray, and Eunice actually lives on a 30-acre farm in Louisville, Kentucky. And of course, she has her caregiving journey. But what I want to ask you first, Eunice, is how has what you've done prepared you for what came into your life? Well, that's very interesting, Ruth. Um, I think motherhood is about the only thing that prepared me. Uh, of all the things that you finally do by 73 and uh, from raising a garden and animals and children and uh, keeping a home and um, marrying and all those sort of things, all of those require something of you. Um, you pour yourself into each one of those endeavors, some by choice, some because it's what, you know, it's a sense of duty. You must do it. And it's not something that I foresaw being a caregiver to my husband, but I was grateful for all of those little things along the way that gave me each piece that I would need to stretch and to be the very best that I could be at that demanding position in life, you know? And what I do, I'm a publisher. I have published academic works for decades and um, I'm a writer. I have been in network marketing for 20 years almost. And I've loved that because um, I think it's fascinating to see what the digital economy is doing and how it's uh, uh, changing all of us, you know. And uh, so being in that network marketing company, Arbonne, which is a, a health and wellness company, has been fascinating because it's kept me in touch with young people and kept me relevant and going. I have a very wide and very, very unusual sort of preparation. I studied art history and uh, I never did a thing with it after I got out of college. So, <laughs> um, and so it's, uh, you know, we all think we go and study something. Um, and unless it's a trade, you know, most of us go to college and study and get a bachelor's of arts, a uh, bachelor of science or something like that, never use it again. So yep. that didn't help me really much at all. So, uh, but many of my life experiences did, and I'm very grateful. What was the story with your husband? Why were you the caregiver for him? Well, Ron and I were married in 1989. And um, he came back from Vietnam. Um, you know, he was there in 1967 and 68, which was the most difficult years. It was all hard, but those were some of the hottest years uh, for the United States and Vietnam. And um, he was um, highly decorated there. He earned uh, two silver stars and um, a purple heart. He was wounded. And, um, 
wounded very badly actually and had traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress um and and no one you know when they came back from vietnam no one really thought too much about it you sort of were supposed to stuff that in a bag somewhere and get on with life and uh he did he went to law school and he graduated first in his class i mean he was a very capable very not ambitious but goal oriented you know he became a colonel in the marine corps uh which was his branch of the service and then one day ruth uh here's a guy who can remember everything and i mean not just the day but sort of the time <laughs> you know i can't remember the year uh but he could remember with great um uh certainty when something happened or dates in history and all of a sudden his processor i call it uh wasn't working as well and as efficiently and i explained it away for as long as i could and then it became apparent that something was very very uh different and and so that led us to a 10 year basically a 10 year period of decline and it was my great privilege to take care of him through that period okay so he was obviously at home with you all that time presumably he was home for the greatest part of it I wanted to know Ruth what was going on and you know I I just needed to understand what the the condition was what we were dealing with what I had to look forward to and um uh, what I would be what I would need to be ready to do and uh we went to the Amen clinic in Atlanta Georgia we drove down there and they did um many scans we spent 2 days of testing and they said you know this is traumatic brain injury and um he also has PTSD which are basically wounds literally wounds in the brain and while the brain will will heal it never forgets it's kind of like that tennis elbow or your you know the knees that the football players have or something you know they go on and they're fine but the day comes when you are older and things begin to uh wear out or where you've had issues now become uh rise again to be needing to, to be dealt with and that's what happened with him and um so it became apparent that something was different we drove home and you know i um realized that um i would become and i didn't realize it at the beginning but it i knew that i was going to be responsible for taking care of him and we went through all the different uh phases you know and um you know of what he of capabilities losing capabilities and all the rest and uh the end of the story was after he passed away 2 years ago in July um i donated his brain and spinal cord to a study at Boston University that is studying veterans and traumatic brain injury and of course he was a perfect specimen for that and he would have been happy i'm sure with that he was very much about taking care of the troops and um so they said you know what he's got what he had was not just alzheimers he had alzheimers the neurological challenges developed into alzheimers uh lewy body dementia which is a very special kind of dementia and also als or what we call lou gehrig's disease uh and it's a wasting uh, muscle wasting disease and it was all of that at once and it was a stunning 
um, uh, thing to watch. And uh, but Lewy body causes people to hallucinate and to also uh, have obsessive movement, like they walk all the time. And uh, when Ron could not remember how to get home, and about the last year of his life, I um, he had to go into a nursing home. And the nursing home was a memory care center, and it had a huge hallway that circled the, the entire building. And he could walk safely in that environment. He couldn't walk at home in the winter. He couldn't walk at home. And, you know, even if we walked with him, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy to get that to work for him. So in this place, he could sit when he needed to, walk when he needed to. And, um, and then when COVID happened, I brought him home. I went every day to see him, Ruth. I had, when he was in, you know, I took care of him through that whole time. But when he was in the nursing home, I had to go every day because he's my job. He was my responsibility. And uh, they, at COVID, they said, now you can't come in here anymore. And I said, well, um, if I can't come in here and I, you know, wanted to go and stay and all that, and I would pay for a room, I would do whatever. And they said, no, that won't work. And I said, well, I'll be here in two days and I'll pick him up. We're going home. And um, which is exactly what we did because I could not delegate that or let that go to anyone. It was my responsibility and, and my duty, my privilege, my heart to be sure. I had to be sure he was okay or I wasn't okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I totally understand that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, he obviously went to the nursing home for um, reasons that actually he was were beneficial to him as you say, because he could walk and everything. And um, I've got to a stage with my mother where I, um, or we, I should say, along with my father who made this decision, decided that she would be better off in a nursing home as well because she was at home lying in bed. She wouldn't get out. She has been diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's as well. And it was beginning to kind of go quite quickly. She was lying in bed literally staring out the window she would not do anything but she wouldn't get out of bed she wouldn't get dressed or anything and even you know the people we had coming in to help her couldn't get her to do this so by um actually finding a place in a nursing home for her has changed all that every day she's up every day she's dressed she she is kind of in with what's ever is going on there all the activities that they have she might not take part <clears throat> but she actually loves being in with it. And I, I was with her today and I asked her how she enjoys that. She said, oh, that's lovely. So it was absolutely the right thing. Whereas, you know, we, I think as sort of caregivers, we often feel that's what we don't want to happen. We don't want to have to, in the end, send them to um, a nursing home of some sort. But actually, this is proof and what you've said, your story and my story is proof that providing you find the right one, it can be so beneficial for them. I agree. And I think that the, once you find the place, then I was guided by a wonderful physician at the Veterans Administration. I took Ron, I took my husband to the VA, not because they were so great about, you know, caregiver or so great with their uh, treatment. There's no treatment really, but I kept him involved in that. And I was able to, 
again, get little pieces of what was to come and understand how to be prepared and how to be ready. And she said, the day may come when you will need for him to, in other words, I had a team, Ruth, of people who came 24 seven. I did nights, but Ron needed to be out every day. So I had people, you know, he began, and let me go and start back with a little bit. Um, and I'll come back to the VA. When he first began, you know, with this decline and it was diagnosed and we knew it was happening, you know, we really never talked about it. Um, he was born in 1941. Um, you know, it's the World War II generation in a way. Uh, I was six and a half years younger than he, but he was, you know, they weren't emotive. They weren't, oh, remember this? You know, he was a Marine. So, you know, he and I, you know, I've sort of had people who were there who could facilitate him doing to whatever he could do. In other words, you know, the process of, say, the clothing that he wore, as long as he was able to manage the bathroom and the toilet, great. You know, he could wear pants with a zipper and a belt. And when that became more problematic and, you know, one of the uh, physicians at the veterans said to me one day that, you know, there'll come a time when he won't remember how to zip his britches. And I was just, you know, you know, you hear that and you think, what? You know, and it's not that you wouldn't do it. It's just that the loss of that capability, so easy, so fundamental, something you've done for decades and he will not be able to do that is very sobering. And um, yes. anyway, we went from the zip up riches to the pull up riches to wearing dark colors because, you know, if you're out and about and he doesn't make it to the bathroom, a darker shade doesn't show the mistake, you know, or the, the fact that we didn't make it in time. You know, there's all of those little tiny things. And later, uh, you know, and I'm focusing on the bathroom, but um, I got a bidet at, and uh, there was a, an attachment for the commode because being able to keep them clean and fresh is so wonderful, you know, and you don't want to have to bathe, but, you know, in the middle of the day, but if you had a bidet, then how grand would that be? And so I, I didn't get it in time for him, you know, uh, but I realized um, that I got it. And I, cause once they have a pattern, it's very hard to break out of the familiar, you know, all of a sudden you have something, you know, uh, different to deal with. And it is a little unsettling, but mm -hmm. I, I told my children, I laughingly said, I bought that for you. So, you <laughs> so I will be able to use it and you will have the benefit of the bidet. I love B-Days. Um, you know, uh, in France, for example, they're so common. And I've always wanted to have one here in my home because they are so useful. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and, and they've got them now so that, you know, I and I, you know, I'm now quite used to it and have learned when and how to use it. And, you know, so you find your pattern, but the pattern changes with the caregiving, you know, and, and I have to tell you, Ruth, um, and the little bits of information along the way, the people at Amen Clinic gave me the big global picture. This is going to be a debilitating thing. There's no way to stop it. You're just gonna, there's only two things you need to know. Don't feed him any sugar or grains. Make sure he's got a low inflammatory diet and um, make sure that he, if he can, he should have hyperbaric oxygen treatments. And oxygen is about the only, under pressure, is about the only thing you can do for this. Well, I did all of that 
and um, I went to, here in in uh, United States. Israel does hyperbaric oxygen for brain injury and all the rest very easily, and I'm sure there are other places in the world. But the United States, for its veterans, is very slow about that. And uh, so I went to the Kentucky State Legislature and had legislation passed so that if a veteran, someone who served, has been diagnosed with traumatic brain injury in this state, and they present themselves to the uh, to a hospital with that and a wound care is wound care is where you'll find um, uh, the hyperbaric oxygen chambers and um, you know that you should be able to go in there and get those treatments so i was able to um, uh, get that passed as legislation here in the state of kentucky we still work on that i have a team of people that are working to make sure that veterans with traumatic brain injury get the treatment they need. And I even bought a chamber for the house so that my husband could be comfortable at home and get in the chamber, breathe that oxygen. Because Ruth, it's all slipping, but you hold on. I wanted to hold on and make comfortable for him every possible minute that he had where he you know, so that we cherish that time that we had and we didn't spend too much time lamenting what we lost. Absolutely. Sounds wonderful. And well done to you as well. How brilliant that you were able to get legislation changed for that, because that's such a, you know, it's just huge. It really is huge. Eunice, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of things, actually. First of all, how were you able to sort of still bring joy into your life with your husband? Oh, I love Tim Ruth. I still love him. I'm in love with him to this day. And the the little pieces of him, there were, you know, there were things he, he could not say my name at the end. But I knew that when I when I walked into the room, he was completely at peace. You know, wherever we were, if I was there he knew that and his sense of of peace and protection and comfort and he knew that his team was present you know he that to me to be able to give that kind of peace to someone else was such a joy you know and that 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 twinkle in his eye the smile that i fell in love with so long ago he never changed those. And, and I was very blessed, Ruth. He never became uh, abrupt or rude. He was always a gentleman. He was always an officer and a gentleman. Uh, and uh, by the way, he thought the world of the Royal Marines and uh, was uh, did some uh, training at Leeds at, with them. I mean, he he was always a gentleman always considerate of others and with so much having lost so much he was still the essence of him was there and for me that was just the joy and i cherished every moment until the very end and um fought for him uh, protected him and and became less a spouse and and moved from spouse because that was a very grief you know that there's almost more grief than you can stand there so i left that part of me and began to fully embrace the caregiving aspects of our relationship and counted it joy and a great pleasure a great privilege actually to be able to usher him uh be the midwife if you will to his uh 
debut into eternity. You know, it was my very great pleasure to do that with him and for him. That just sounds so amazing and so beautiful. And I can hear the total love you have for him still when you say that. And also, I know that you mentioned early on that you had an Arbonne business, which is in the digital space. And I know that because of what you've told me that actually that, thank goodness you had that well before you needed it. Yes, um, it provided a, and, and, and Ruth, I didn't see it coming at all, but I worked at our bond business and enjoyed it and, you know, uh, thought it would be a nice added um, addition to our retirement accounts and our portfolio. And I just thought it was kind of a lark and I did it. It was, you know, not that much time in a week. And um, I've always been kind of a type A hustler type. And so I, I did that business and it was, I was able to buy the hyperbaric machine. I was able to, you know, have the round the clock um, uh, caregivers. And so that I would not, you know, lose my mind or, you know, it's stressful enough and without enough sleep or without enough, you know, you need a break. And you learn that pretty quickly that your fuse is fairly short for that kind of, because you're totally involved in where they are. It's like having a toddler or a, you know, a a child that moves that really can't make decisions. And so you're thinking about when they're eating, what they're doing, you know, when they're going to bed, are they bathed, you know, how their clothes. In other words, everything that once was on his side of the to-do list in our marriage switched to me. And I was happy to take it on. But I also began to take on every moment of his, you know, care. So um, having Arbonne was twofold a blessing. One was I needed an outlet to, and people who were on my, I have a network of people who are in my business who were just so supportive and so wonderful. And also by their efforts, I was able to derive a, a, uh, an income that would allow for me not to go into our savings and all the rest and out of uh, cash flow, be able to, with Arbonne, afford to do the things that I wanted to do for him. So it was, it could not have been more brilliant, really. It's, it's so often said, you know, we should all prepare for impact. In other words, we should do something at, at points in our life where we don't think we really need it. And yet we do it for fun, whatever it is. And this is a prime example of the fact that you had started it, you know, a long time before, and it, yet it proved to be when that, that impact happened, you had it. And it was a support to you. And then, of course, there's also all the personal development that goes on with it as well. That must have helped you as well, hugely. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, uh, Ruth, I, I, am, um, I was grateful to have this business. Yes, I needed it at a particular time. But I have since, over these 20 years, having brought many people into this business and encouraged them to prepare for impact and also enjoy life along the way with this very lovely business that you can take every and anywhere. And I uh, realize that impact comes to all of us. And if, if you're living in a lull between impact or before impact, 
then you need to be busy and uh, making hay, as they say here, while the sun shines. You know, when it's it's terrible to have to come into a time of great challenge and crisis and think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? I mean, <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready for this. It's important in life to take those moments, especially when you're young uh, and younger, and realize that the day comes and it's a child that's not, that isn't, you know, that's going to need extra, or it's your mother or, you know, your parents or someone that you're going to have to take care of and, and, um, and, uh, or yourself or your spouse. And when that happens, uh, because of accident or event that, you know, life has its events for all of us, that it is marvelous, marvelous to be ready and um, to not be panicked uh, in the moment. So though I had a great deal of grief to deal with um, in the initial loss, and I tend to not spend too much time stewing in the grief gravy, I, I keep going because there you can't afford the luxury of grief in the in the in the in the doing and the in the going. I did not have to add to that grief the terror of how am I going to pay for this or I'm or or how am I going to make this work financially? And uh, because again, I'm on my own. My husband is not working or not busy, and um, it, there are changes that happen. And I've transitioned into his caregiving years. And there were 10 of those of growing demand, growing demand, 10 years without a hitch. And I wasn't ever anxious about how am I going to make this work financially because I was already ready. That's just so brilliant. And I, my little story of that, because I, too, work with this really beautiful brand, Arbonne. And my little story is that I, I started it some years ago. Then I had the the personal growth to be able to retire uh, where I didn't, I you know, I was kind of ready to retire, but I wasn't fearful of retiring anymore. And lo and behold, although my parents obviously were getting elderly, but literally two years after I retired and therefore had more time and I didn't have to, you know, run to work and what have you, I had the time to be able to organize their care, to look after them and still do. And that was my impact. And the fact that Arbon helped me grow me in my personal development so that I could deal with it emotionally far, far better than I might otherwise have done. And it gave me the time freedom that I needed. So, you know, we all have our stories and that was, that's mine. So, which is still continuing, of course, but, um, but, it was just something that helped me so much. Well, it is a multifaceted business, and it has a way of um, uh, helping each of us, maybe in different ways. They're the same themes, but you, I needed time flexibility at like you. I needed the financial support like you. I needed the, uh, the, the personal growth for me was not as big a deal. I mean, I think I, you know, for me, it was um, the fellowship that came from that wonderful team of mine, you know. Uh, and so there, not that I didn't appreciate all of those things, but the pro, that prioritize them. We each prioritize those facets differently. And um, but they're the same themes that work for all of us. And it's uh, frankly, 
a brilliant business and uh, it's especially brilliant for a caregiver or someone who is getting ready for you know, a challenge or a crisis in life, potentially, because you never know, and or being able to work at a time when you um, are in the midst of all of that. So it's a it's a it's a very um, um, brilliant business model. And I have uh, recommended it to many because I do think the model itself is um, is current, it's trending for the future. And it is really, um, uh, it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent way to make a living. Yeah, and very flexible because you are oh, now yeah. driving around <laughs> in an RV, <laughs> driving across yes. sort of different places in the States, and yes. you can still run your business while you're driving this RV. I love that idea. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> well, and you know, Arman gives us as national vice presidents uh, or regional vice presidents, there's a, a Mercedes-Benz car bonus. And uh, my camper, RV, caravan, whatever, is a Mercedes-Benz brand white Sprinter van, and it's built on a Sprinter uh, chassis. So Arbonne sends me the money to pay for that camper every month. That's amazing. I think it's brilliant. I didn't realize they Uh, would do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As long as it's a white Mercedes-Benz, they don't care if it's a delivery truck. You know, <laughs> and I I have enjoyed my camper, and I you know the thing I love about it is mostly because Arbonne's taught me that what I eat matters enormously. That nutrition is critical to longevity and anti aging and all that. So I have my own food. I make my own shakes. I make my own. You know, I have all of my own. Easily, I can transport my own food. I sleep in my own sheets and have my own pillow, you know, that's critical. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, I, agree. Can go, <laughs> I can go wherever I want. And, and I say, I go where the weather suits my clothes, you know, and, uh, and where I would like to be and the people I would like to visit. So I do try to get, I, I now, at, Ron has been gone for two years in July. You know, you spend your first year as in a as a widow in a fog, you know, and uh, it's I call it the widow fog. You know, you're just been disconnected, and your half of you is gone, and you're looking to make new patterns and figuring out how to live. And then in the second, by the second year, you have sort of become a little better defined as you as you again at a very different place in life, and not a beginner but a finisher. And, um, you know, you want to live the life that you have um, and all that remains as as wonderfully as possible. And I am in that stage now where I am now beginning to define my life without Ron, but also, you know, without that Sarah. I mean, certainly there's never and ever going to be a fix for that. But I now can go on and be very excited about what's ahead. And I have appreciated Arbonne's intimate um, part being an intimate uh, a piece of that whole new development, you know, post uh, as a widow. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Eunice, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. I love your story. I can't wait to hear where you are next in your RV. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. I enjoyed it completely. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you like this episode, 
please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. See you next time.